Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Pixel Sift. We've got quite a bit in store for you today. And before we get into that, though, I should tell you that, all, as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mitch and Scott. Hey, hey. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's not how you as say always. hello to people. You're raised wrong as a joke, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> all wow. three of these facets are tremendously expensive entertainment platforms to get into. The idea is to start small and go with quality over quantity. We'll be talking to Wade K. Savage. He's the creator of Scourge Legacy and director of the for- the fan film Fallout Lanius. Yeah, we'll also be touching on video game rumors and fact-checking when sometimes doesn't happen when you're trying to get the news out soon. And finally, we're talking video game gambling and what steps could be taken to mitigate a toxic online community in one of the biggest online games, Counter-Strike Global Offensive. All that and more coming up on episode 30 of Pixel Sift. Watch episodes, Let's Plays and more at youtube.com forward slash pixelsiftau. Yeah, so rumours are nothing new in video game culture. Speculation about what might be on the horizon or new techniques that might get you to the raid that much quicker are always in, you know, firm talking points among the communities. But what happens when journalists take the bait and start producing content based on only rumours? Like, based on what like we all see online. With recent events regarding The Division making a fool out of many well ga- well-known gaming sites, it might be time to reel it in. I think there is a challenge if you're creating an online video content or online media outlet. Yeah, such as to- podcast. No, <laughs> podcast is actually the opposite of this, oh, okay. right? Podcast is much like the magazine format where you don't have to be breaking news... And you can be a bit more considered and you can take your time and, and see what's happening with all of this um, story and wait until these things kind of work themselves out. But breaking news, people jump on these things as quick as possible. You yeah. see lots of rumors when a celebrity dies and all of these people go, we're hearing rumors that a celebrity has died and then it turns out not to be true because you want to be the person to get there. It happened numerous <coughs> times with Steve Jobs. Yeah, it like did. The people Look, said he died. Yeah. This, this happens all the time. This isn't a gaming issue. It's yeah. not not just specific, like it's not only in the gaming community. This is a journalism, a journalistic problem, and mistakes are made all the time. Like you know, going through our studies as journalists, you know, we learned this a lot. Mm. Um, and it, it, that's what basically being a good journalist is about: is 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 making sure you fact check. 
I've got always got the Todd Flanders popping into my head and be like, is your source on this reliable? Yeah. You, 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 it's, there's a difference between, yeah, I mean, being a good journalist and just getting this first thing out there. Yeah. And th- there is some kind of, you know, a, a massive importance of being that first press and, you know, the first thing to report on something. But at the loss of quality and, uh, you know, I guess... Uh, trust and it's the 24 hour news cycle and everyone is yeah. kind of feeling the pinch of this and the internet which gaming is obviously so highly intertwined with um, is a big factor for people trying to get content out there people are looking at your stuff all over the world at every time if you used to be a TV station or a radio show you used to be able to have your listeners listening in at a certain time and that's it and that'd be when you'd have to do things if something came out after that you'd wait until tomorrow and you'd have the next thing come up if it was still a big story maybe it would fade away in that time you don't know but but obviously, I don't condone this kind of thing because uh, it is, you know, basically just lazy journalism. But it does happen. Traps are out there all the time as far as, you know, keeping up to the ba- date and keeping on the pulse of the digital media and news streams. There's like also, a, yeah, sorry, like a, the whole article in general was about a, essentially a glitch, which which was like, I guess, maybe unconfirmed. But I guess if you're going to report on it, maybe you can, the least you can do is maybe go try and emulate it. I mean, well, and uh, by emulate, I mean do it. With I mean, a lot of these glitches as well, they'll have like a video run through, uh, you know, like a playing kind of guide so you can figure it out or at least see it for yourself so you know it's not a fake. I mean, this didn't include that at all. And not only that, but he also... Well, uh, could you tell us a little bit about this glitch for people who may not have seen and what game we're actually we're talking about? All right, so basically it was The Division. And it was just an exploit of how to destroy an APC at the end of their raid, in quotation marks. So um, it involved a couple of different techniques. And like it just like by deploying a mobile piece of mobile cover in a certain area and a number of different things. It was from a player that calls himself uh, El Tumador. Uh, and I've got a pretty good quote from here. He's just said, uh, around the same time I posted that fake glitch, I also reposted a legit strategy guide, uh, since I assume most players would like to do it legit given their previous exploits were patched. It was for, uh, for me, uh, both an attempt at humor as well as a social experiment of sorts. Um, yeah, so... I think people are kind of looking... In terms of strategy guides, there's lots of stuff out there. So people are looking for something a bit exclusive and something that hasn't been covered as widely as anything else. So you can kind of understand why someone would be going out there thinking, ooh, this is something cool that we can get out on the front page and, and get in front yeah, of. Yeah, and lots of people fell for it. Uh, Eurogamer, IGN, GameSpot, uh, who actually ended up removing the article completely. Yeah. Uh, GameZone, uh, Twinfinite, iDigital Times, International Business Times. The only people... or well, the only, like, credit games press that avoided kind of the slip up and embarrassment was Polygon and Kotaku which isn't that um, surprising to me because I think they are kind of a a bit of a standout in that Mm -hmm. group Um, he's also said uh, he's been recorded as saying I'm sorry if I caused folks a bit of time uh, trying to make a glitch work I know the game isn't perfect but maybe we should focus on spending our time playing in activities that we enjoy or building up our characters and finding good players to run with um, so he did have some kind of. There is a bit of negativity about the the division that's come out, and you know I think people are getting ready to kind of jump on the bandwagon, and maybe the the press who have been covering this have been, you know, ready to do that themselves <laughs> as well. So you know maybe that's that's something that we. You, you it, do get the feeling that the community is getting ready to pounce on it almost. A every, everybody they slip up. Um, it, I mean a little bit because it's a, it was a highly anticipated game um, by a lot of people, and it has been kind of plagued with issues since the start and 
there's also the issue that it's probably might not have as, as many legs as we thought it might have initially had, and um, maybe that's not going to live up to all it kind of you know all the hype. Um, so you know, press like this is pretty kind of important. And any kind of negative press is going to be quite damaging to the legs of the game, I feel. I don't know. It's one of these things where, you know, they always say that there's no such thing as bad press. There's only press, right? So you're getting your stuff out there. I don't know if this is technically true for something like this where maybe people go, oh, no, don't worry, I won't won't pick that up. But, you know, there's plenty of rumors that are out there where people have gone and kind of completely speculated on these... um, uh, you know, completely fabricated things. Uh, say, for example, the controller that's come yeah. out for well, was uh, it was turned out to be a, a Photoshop render um, mm-hmm. uh, that somebody had made in in a three D program mm-hmm. um, of the NX controller of the yeah. NX controller, which is supposedly the new controller. Um, that thing that looks like Stu Griffin's head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a <laughs> I don't know, like a weird pill shaped looking item, and um, has just two analog sticks on the side and nothing else. And people got really arced up about it, and it was just something that someone had made, um, claiming to be the official controller and they did a phenomenal job of actually making it look real as well which is um, you know always helpful um, but yeah somebody actually ended up building one in real life yeah there's a nice little comment that he's giving uh, kind of having a dig at the state of the community and the way it's kind of gone on about these things and he said uh, it says a lot about this, both the state of the game and its community if we th- if the things we mostly focus on are the exploits um, yeah I, mean, I guess you can take that how you wish mm. But I feel like he is um, not really imp- impressed with the way everything's gone down. Not only the like the reaction to the story, but I guess, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess probably that's just gauging the player sentiment from that particular game. And there are, yeah, you know, I mean, there's always sentiment as well. And people have said about the Nintendo stuff as well that everyone is kind of really waiting for more information about stuff coming out of yeah. Nintendo and there's a bit of impatience now from that and oh, people are totally. kind of jumping on yeah. any rumor that comes out people are also jumping on um, there's big there's rumors of a new sort of update to the PlayStation 4 that's supposed to be coming out oh, as the well 4.5 yeah that's starting to get a bit more information around and people are saying this is starting to look a bit more legit and information's being released to developers to to update their but things that was for VR wasn't it Apparently not. No. I've been, I've been okay, chatting. Okay, see, rumours. That, yeah, see, see, I, I was on the impression. I read the article and just kind of assumed that's really what it would be. Um, but I've been chatting to, I guess, from a couple of weeks ago, Jason Imms yep. uh, online. And he goes, from the look of the specs and what I can see, um, it, it looks like it actually might be a an improvement on, on, on the actual hardware. And, you know, of course, maybe includes that VR thing in there as well. But, but we'll go but from it there. Is so, it is so ingrained in the culture just to find this information yourself yeah and, and especially the video game community being so deeply seated and yeah. rooted into you know the digital and online presence and they're very personally invested yeah, yeah. yes and so much comes, so. And a, a lot of what we talk about on the show is actually comes down to that yeah mm. it's um one of the advantages of obviously having a podcast is that you can take a bit more time and you have to realize that your audience is going to be listening at sort of any time so with something we've always tried to avoid is talking too much about speculation and rumors because we don't know if by the time you've listened to this episode maybe it's six months ago yeah. after this episode come out that could be completely debunked by then not, so, even, uh, not even relevant kind of yeah thing, and yeah. something we, we've tried to avoid but um yeah we've got plenty of other great stuff that we do like to talk about and one of those <laughs> topics is coming up right now Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. This week, I spoke to director Wade K. Savage. He was one of the creative minds behind the critically acclaimed fan film Fallout Lanius, which is based on one of the characters and the world of Fallout New Vegas. We spoke all about making that film, and we dove into his new project, which will bring, sorry, which will bridge the gaps between television, toys, and games. 
My name is Wade K. Savage. I'm a creator and director here in Perth. And um, I'm the guy that uh, wrote, produced and directed Fallout Lanius, which is the uh, Fallout fan film based on Fallout New Vegas uh, from 2013. And I'm also the creator of Scourge Legacy, which is a um, kind of kids IP video game, television show and toy line that I'm currently developing. So what was it about the Fallout New Vegas universe that kind of grabbed you and held on and made you want to make a fan film? It's the only fan film I've ever really made. Um, I've been a huge Fallout fan since the first game and New Vegas had an especially kind of evocative world and I think I had a very strong emotional kind of response to uh, the kind of moral ambiguity of the whole universe. And so I thought it'd be really interesting and possible to make a film about this kind of Legion character, Lenius, as opposed to doing something on, you know, ghouls and robots and super mutants, which would be pretty difficult to do here in Perth. The character Lanius is kind of you only very you meet him right at the very end of the actual game, um, and for most people as they play through the game, they probably wouldn't be aware that there are a lot of different interactions you can actually have with that character. Um, when you were going through, what were you thinking about when you were kind of going to expand this character from the little tidbits that you do get in the game? I think it was uh, we did a lot of research with the writers trying to find out, you know, what was his kind of actual origin because he's really a character made up of myths and he's kind of a psychological military force. No one knows where he comes from, what's his actual truth. So we kind of had to pick his truth for the story and we were kind of looking to kind of create an anti-hero protagonist in a fascinating way but still make him, I don't know, scary and kind of interesting. So, you know, doubling... Uh, working with the uh, writers and, and kind of bugging them on social media and that kind of thing. We also kind of took bits and pieces you kind of hear in the game, you know, graffiti on walls, that kind of thing. Um, John R. Gonzalez, who was the, one of the lead writers of Fallout New Vegas, I, I kind of tracked him down. And last I heard, I think he was working for Midway, but he said that in terms of the closest truth, the, the, the story we presented in the film was most likely his origin story. So we kind of went with that angle. The big part of this was that you kind of had the blessing of Obsidian and Bethesda. Were you worried when you were kind of, you know, planning all this? Because I know that you sort of started planning before you reached out to them, um, that maybe they might be like, well, we'll shut this thing down. Well, look, I I think before we hit the button on anything really big, um, I might have written the script and kind of looked at what was out on the market. There's a series called Nuka Break, which which had already kind of set the precedent. So I thought that um, Bethesda and through Bethesda ZeniMax, um, were kind of okay with fan-created content so long as you'd kind of reached out to them beforehand and kind of, you know, dotted your I's and crossed your T's. So I made sure to do all of that before we went anywhere near crowdfunding and we had a really transparent kind of uh, relationship with them. I spoke a lot with their community manager who was really cool. I spoke a lot with um, PR people from time to time. So that was something that made me confident that we weren't going to, you know, that I wasn't going to wake up to a cease and desist one day. And I've been doing film and TV stuff for nearly 10 years now. So I understand how these big companies work. And a lot of it is just asking, just asking up front. Is there anything 
in the new Fallout series that you would have th- has captured you in terms of the mythology? I know they're not quite as... I, I speak as a big fan of the Fallout series, putting hundreds of hours into it myself, um, but it doesn't quite have the same depth as something in New Vegas and maybe not the, the legacy of, you know, like I guess a lot of the Legion was kind of brought along from Van Buren and, and stuff before as well. Um, was there anything in that, the mythology of the new new game that you would thought that maybe might be worth kind of pulling at that thread? Jeez, I don't know. It's it's such a kind of Massachusetts-centric story and the characters. It's it's. I always think of everything in terms of how can you physically do it? And so trying to kind of replicate Massachusetts here in Perth is pretty hard. Um, thematically, I think there's some interesting stories there, but uh, I don't know. I, I There isn't, like, if you know, and as a Fallout fan, if you think of the kind of main um, actors, so to speak, in the whole Fallout New Vegas story, there kind of isn't really a character as cool or as developed in Fallout 4. I kind of, I'm like shrugging as I say this. Everyone's cool, everyone's great, but no one's like, man, I want to spend, yeah, no, you know, no one's like, I want to spend a year or two of my life creating 10 minutes of film because they're just very different styles of characters. And we could have a super huge discussion about how and why Bethesda write the kind of characters they do and they, they their dynamics and gameplay and what they want the player to do, as opposed to Obsidian who are like, this is about story, here are the themes, um, you know, this is about character, this is what you're going to experience, here's all these choices. So, you know, you could have you know, it's a, it's a snake eating its tail in terms of discussion. So has that kind of informed any of the work that you're doing on your new project, Scourge Legacy? I think so. I, I, I think when you're looking at content for young people, and our show is aimed at like 9 to 12-year-olds, and even coming to that, it took us two years to find the right demographic. And if I think of the kind of content I grew up with kids, or we grew up as kids, which is 80s and 90s stuff, um, the kind of gloves are off. You know, you could scare kids, you could freak them out, and you never kind of really spoke down to them in that sense so yeah i kind of like that you know kind of treating children or characters that are are younger people as human beings first and foremost and putting them through a lot i kind of think is interesting um i really like um uh, the last airbender the nickelodeon series i think that's quite a beautiful series that explores kids as human beings and so that whole ambiguous factor to the to, to the point that young people kind of make mistakes and learn things and, and, and bad things happen to them and they have loss and they have success. I think that's that's pretty fascinating as a creator. And so in a narrative sense, that's definitely what we'd want to explore with, with Scourge Legacy because you've got three kids out in this wasteland and there's kind of critters and it's fun and it's exciting. I like the idea of danger being exciting, which is something we don't normally talk about when you produce content for kids. Um, but also there's great risk at what they're doing and I think that's interesting. Aesthetically, you've got a very sort of strong 90s feel to it. And you are sort of producing it for, for kids who are born well after the 90s now. Uh, is that like, is the imagery and stuff, is that something that's resonating with them or are they understanding the cues or is it sort of like, you know, when you write a film, you design it so it's, it can be perceived on many levels and, and people can pick it up at their own level and there's bits for everyone? Well, I, I'd hope that both both elements are the case because I think 80s and 90s stuff in terms of cultural trends are weirdly enough very hot again and even younger people can relate to to properties that we grew up with like you can see a lot of people respond to things like the Goonies or Ninja Turtles I mean these brands that just never die um, but you're right about the comment in terms of it has to be kind of universal and young people leaving home and exploring something that's both dangerous 
um, but exciting is, is quite a universal theme. So I hope that anyone can respond to it. And I mean, something like Harry Potter is, is a perfect example of that because it has these characters out of their depth, but having fun, but also growing. So, you know, you, you want to be careful using growing because that's not really cool language. But, the, but you know, that, that whole kind of idea of, of um, developing, how's that, developing as characters, um, I think anyone can respond to. And, and if it, my idea would be that when this thing's up and it's happening, you'd follow these characters as they age um, the same way Harry, po- Harry Potter did it. Say, as you've talked a bit about the competition between some of these bigger brands that are coming out and indies always have to really have to hit it right. What is the thing that you think that you're going to be able to do that is going to be able to cut through the competition that's out there? I think it comes back to narrative for me and I think it's about producing something that people connect with in a multitude of ways. Uh, I think our characters are really strong and I think our game world and universe is really strong and it has to be bigger than nostalgia and I think it's it when it lands and it lands right and it it kind of lands the way I wanted to in terms of the kind of content I grew up with I think it'll be something quite quite special and there kind of isn't a lot uh, like this I mean a lot of this kind of stuff is coming back in terms of kind of aesthetics but in terms of the game which is this kind of narrative driven cooperative side-scrolling kind of beat-em-up there really isn't much like that um and a lot of, and if something it does exist in terms of a side scrolling beat 'em up, it's something like Mother Russia Bleeds, which is like for much older people and extremely kind of graphic. And this is is not that. This is quite, you know, this is more like Streets of Rage, but mixed with Pokemon. So I don't think there's many things like that. And I think when it lands and it lands right, it's it's, it's going to be pretty huge. You can watch Fallout Lanius on YouTube in its entirety for free, and you can find out more information about Scourge Legacy, and that's Scourge with a a K on twitter.com forward slash Scourge Legacy. You're listening to Pixelsift, or you might be watching Pixelsift on Twitch. Pixelsift. So gambling in the video game community is an ever-growing issue. With the rise of esports and the amazing success of games such as CSGO, the real-life effects of these exploits can have large and reaching problems. One of the biggest issues we face here is the unregulated and underage use of these gambling systems, where an average match can draw over $100,000 in skins, with some costing more. An earlier March match between named Luminosity and Fnatic drew almost $1.2 million in bets. People buy skins for cash, then use the skins to place online bets on pro CSGO matches. Because there's a liquid market to convert each gun or knife back into cash, laying a bet in skins is essentially the same as betting with real money. There's sites like uh, CSGO Lounge, for example, which basically facilitate this trade. It all links into the Steam trading system. Mm-hmm. You buy and sell skins through that. You place your bets on that, and then you can cash out as people buy these skins. So from the skins it. are essentially like your chips. Pretty much, yeah. It's like you are using the skins as a chip. That's a a perfect example of of what it is, really. And Valve this week have basically come out and they've um, introduced a new method in which to secure people's accounts um, and also lock down the number of accounts that people have as well because there's a big, you know, churn of these sort of things going through. Just a a lot of upset in the community. A lot of unruly kind of behaviour. And it means that if you... Because the skins are like a random drop, they come to you as you play games and you can get stuff which are worth quite a bit of money. There's also an attraction for people who are willing to hack these. 
these accounts and compromise these accounts and steal the skins, sell them off on something like CSGO. And then once you've done the trade, that's it. You know, that's kind of, it's gone after that point. And you can kind of launder it through that way. So There's they brought, bunch, sorry, keep going. They brought in this new system basically where you can link up your um, phone number effectively to your Counter-Strike Go account, which increases the security one of your um of your account um, by saying that if there's a, an issue, you c- they can call you on the number and that's it. But it also has this other benefit, and this is what the community has been talking quite a bit about um, when this uh, change was announced, that there's this this is basically a term for uh, when game players uh, of a high level go into a match and steamroll it. And <laughs> now who... We've got some audio now from um, from that we can play, which will basically explain all about what smurfing actually is. Yeah. Greetings, I, the War Owl greets you, and welcome to One More Round, the show where I talk about Counter-Strike-y stuff. This time, I'm going to be speaking a bit about smurfing, those folks who don the accounts of a noob in order to have some fun smashing new players. Back in the Warcraft 2 days, two guys were so good at the game that everybody recognized them, so they decided to change their names to Papa Smurf and Smurfette, pretended to be new players, and then proceeded to own some noobs. Now, Smurf refers to any skilled player, not just famous people, who create an alternate account and name in order to play against new players and absolutely destroy them for some jollies. There are legitimate reasons to smurf. The main reason for me is that I can play the game in peace with my friends without folks recognizing me. So that was the War Owl, um, a high-level uh, YouTuber and CSGO competitor. Uh, and he goes on to say that basically there are legitimate reasons for smurfing. You know, as a high-level player, he wants to enjoy playing with his friends. You know, like he, he basically, he just wants to be able to take a break from being a pro celebrity player all the time you know he wants to play with his friends he wants to play if he's had a few drinks he wants to just you know be able to relax and not get kind of picked on because you know this when seems... people see a high level player like that you know that's but a also big deal. he does go on to say in that as well that he actually does enjoy just going in there and destroying a bunch of news he, he, he literally says the first thing he says after that is the main reason we do this is because it's fun he's like it, it reminds me back in the golden eye days where he put on the little cheats and you know and have a lot of fun he said it's fun like the you know that's it's simple as that I, I, I guess like it's I've, I've never really been in that position where I've I never thought been I was good enough. I've never been I've never thought of myself as too good so <laughs> I had to had to like I, I guess it's very it's a bit arrogant I think. well not really because you know he's obviously there's it's not just him saying I, I think I'm this good it's just he he kind of people well, there, there is, there are there a, is caliber, a level of like there are a caliber of yeah. yeah of course there's sort of some kind of you know self admission of your brilliance but there is a caliber <laughs> of player th- th- out there and we've all come across them that just don't make playing very fun for uh, you know noobs and just uh, amateur level players I guess the big change about this particular thing with linking the phone number not only does it increase the security of your account but it means that any account that's got a phone number in it gets sort of separated into this prime matchmaking which means you will be basically only match with other people who've put their real phone number against it so you're probably less likely to have more than one phone number just for the purpose of creating a smurf account Um, and it means that you are going to probably play with people who are really real people they're playing at the level they're supposed to be there isn't any secret agenda behind it and you don't have this sort of fracturing of your community where you know people are getting steamrolled because you get better groupings you get less trolling it's uh, not fun as well for those people who are at the top of the thing that's great they're always going to find people who they can compete against but if you're starting to get into a game and you haven't got a huge amount of people to play with and you decide to jump online and and give it a go and somebody comes through and just is basically appears to be normal to be matched with you to the same level but they're actually way more skilled and and 
yeah, I, I've Scott and I briefly spoke about this earlier. I'm like, we do realize that, yeah, getting a phone number isn't that much more It's like more $2 effort. a SIM card it's, these yeah, days. Yeah, $2 for a yeah. SIM card, but it is an extra bit of effort that you need to go to yeah. to make an account. And these people putting in the extra effort, it, 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 even though it is, I guess, not very... I guess it's a bit minute, but it still is an extra bit of effort. They still deserve to be grouped together because they put in that time and you know attached a part a part but also then you're to this account but then you're also actually if you think about it you're attaching your real name to uh, another account yeah which is so actually potentially another bit of data that you're putting up to risk uh for you know exactly theft etc well that was actually initially when i read the article i think i got something a bit different out of it than you johnny i thought that this was a strategy to to, like to tackle toxicity in games it would just attach a little I think bit from, more accountability to the online profile I think that is it though it is because yeah. there is a toxicity in that people who aren't playing the game fairly and you know are just basically taking advantage of a, of a multiplayer system where they can you know just run over the top of people mm-hmm. um, and I think this is that is about that it's about building a good community and having people stick around and to me I sort of think as we opened up in the beginning of this thing there's a lot of money in skins and gambling and getting people playing play their game and a lot of the transactiony stuff goes through steam and all that sort of stuff so it is in their best interest to get as many people playing this game as possible um so it's having people not being knocked away by these these players additionally um, additionally steam is not the first company to really push for more information to be like open on the internet like i think psn with one of its i think within the last year the updates that have gone out are really pushing you to use your real name online like i get reminded i think maybe every third time i boot up the console like just like oh yeah well you can you can kind of use your real name if you want and i'm like well i don't really want to do that personally but it's there and they they really want you to do that and i think this is because they're just trying to tackle this sort of anonymity online and yeah you know having this situation where people can be sort of taken advantage of and to this day i haven't seen anyone that's not on my friends list that has that yeah yeah if there's anything that they should be sorting out within the csgo community i feel if it it is this uh you know unregulated gambling Mm -hmm. uh you know a lot of other uh developers have kind of you know being kind of aggressive or like proactive in keeping real world money and this online currency or gaming currency separate but valve's making no ability to uh, no, no effort to do that and like I said, with the rise of esports and whatever, this is only going to become more of a problem. And 15-year-olds gambling away a lot of money without their parents knowing or whatever, or not knowing what they're getting themselves into is very dangerous. It's a bad situation. Internationally problematic and unacceptable. There's, I think it's going to be not that long before we start seeing something happen. Something about has this. to happen. Pixel Sift. <laughs> Pixel Sift. No, seriously, Pixel Sift. <laughs> no, seriously. Pixel Sift. For reals. For reals. That's all we've got time seriously. for today. <laughs> seriously, that's all we've got time for. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Pixel Sift. You can watch our shows again if you head to our website, which is www.pixelsift.com.au. Scott, where can people find us if they want to go on social media? Gianni, they can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixel sift, twitter.com forward slash pixel sift, twitch.tv forward slash pixel sift, and youtube.com forward slash pixel sift au. And Mitch, we've got an event coming up very soon. Can you 
you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, so we're hosting along with Perth Rocket League, and uh, we're back at the glitch for this, which is um, take part. It's a 2v2, and if you can't make it there, um, you can also watch the finals live on our Twitch channel. So it's Rocket League that we're playing. Yeah, yeah Rocket League. It's yeah. the game. I got a bit distracted. Someone yeah. distracted me off camera. We yeah. are going to be play, yeah, playing that on, uh, online, and you'll see some of the best players in Perth um, competing for that, and you can watch us talk about it Commentating, live. having fun, all the lols. That's right. You can find this episode on iTunes and all the other podcast players. And if you're there, you could give us a, a rating and review. That would be amazing. We would really appreciate it and it helps other people find the show. Thanks again. And Thanks, we guys. will catch you next week on Pixel Sift. Thanks, gals. If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 